In the last video, I argued that the wokeism phenomenon was a result of the broadening of the public sphere, especially online, leading to a wider and renewed interest in social issues, morality and justice. In response, many were critical of my brief comments on Hans-Georg Müller from Carefree Wandering and his take on the topic. This is an evolving, difficult and somewhat ambiguous topic. And if I'm ever wrong about something, I don't want to be wrong for a second longer than I have to be. In retrospect, I don't think my tone on Muller lived up to my intention, at least, to always strive to be respectful, fair and even-handed. I also wasn't clear on what my critique was, so I thought it would be worth expanding on it briefly here, because this is an important topic. What people describe as woke what it is, who it is, how it emerged, varies wildly. My goal, and the goal of any analysis, is to try and capture what the phenomenon in general is. A good analysis should historicise, look at psychology, sociology, philosophy and politics. I want to understand it as a phenomenon, and when trying to define something, we're asking what makes it unique. Terms will inevitably be used and misused, defined and redefined by the left and the right. A rigorous intellectual analysis should surely strive to stand above that, however difficult that always is going to be. Muller argues, for example, that it's a negative term. It's a negative term, uh, and uh, it was, it's mostly used by people on the right. But as I tried to show with my short history, it's not just a negative term. There's a phenomenon, a genealogy, an underlying logic, a material history, a moral philosophizing that drives it too. The internet, a broader public sphere, more information, a concern with inequality and justice. There are many things going on. Those are all an important part of analysing not how it's just come to be used by some, but how the phenomenon evolved. Of course, Muller's correct about some things. Brands and organisations like the CIA adopting woke language as empty nods and virtue signalling, for example. But the critique I'll lay out here centres around Muller's main premise, that wokeism equals civil religion plus German guilt pride. So first, what is civil religion? The sociologist Robert Beller's 1967 paper on civil religion is central to Muller's argument. Now, my central argument is that today's wokeism is the civil religion of the West, and it combines two elements, traditional US American civil religion and German guilt pride. For Bella, civil religion means holding texts like the Constitution and Bill of Rights as sacred, idolizing historical figures like the Founding Fathers, and believing that America is a new Israel, a shining city on a hill with a divine mission. Importantly for Bella, civil religion in America was explicitly religious. It was about making references to God in speeches. It was about theology and sacredness in public, civil and political life. 
For example, Kennedy said that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. You wouldn't hear that said in Europe by a politician. LBJ used the phrase, God has favoured our undertaking. Bella writes that the words and acts of the founding fathers, especially the first few presidents, shaped the form and tone of the civil religion as it has been maintained ever since. However, Muller doesn't focus on the theological parts of Bella's argument. Instead, he makes a different claim, one that Bella doesn't, that civil religion in America is based on individualism, private property, a strong sense of equality, among other things. What does um, American civil religion uh, consist in? Well, it has strong elements of individualism, a focus on liberty and private property as well, a sense of equality, pursuit of happiness, individual happiness and also collective happiness. But these things aren't theological. They're political and social beliefs, ideologies and ideals. Bella's article is primarily interested in Christianity, references to God and sacred documents, as are other books and texts on civil religion. Bella was writing in the early Cold War period when communism was being depicted as evil in America because, for one thing, it was godless. This was the period when Billy Graham became a household name with the weekly TV show and a column in 125 newspapers. He described drinking, smoking, card playing, swearing and dancing as dangerous sins. A religious revival has taken over the Houston Astrodome home of baseball and football as Billy Graham welcomes President Johnson to his crusade for Christ. Dr. Graham has drawn nearly 700,000 to the Astrodome. While a scoreboard carries the message from the Bible, faith-based self-help books were bestsellers. And in 1954, for example, Eisenhower signed legislation that added the phrase One Nation Under God to the Pledge of Allegiance as recited by millions of kids in American schools. Congress added In God We Trust to the currency. Most believed in the shining city on a hill analogy, that God had endowed the US with a special purpose and sacred truths. Bella wrote, There are certain common elements of religious orientation that the great majority of Americans share. These have played a crucial role in the development of American institutions and still provide a religious dimension for the whole fabric of American life, including the political sphere. For civil religion theorists, there's an explicitly theological component to civil religion. But Mueller focuses on political phenomenon and ideological beliefs like individualism, equality under the law, private property. He also mentions dogmatism, moralism, conformity and zealotry. He also mentions activism. Bella, on the other hand, doesn't use the words dogmatic, divisive or punitive once. Activism and activist don't appear in key texts on civil religion and what it is. So for Bella, civil religion was more explicitly theological. Muller, on the other hand, downplays the Christian and theological side of civil religion and focuses on politics, activism, dogma, moralism, conformity and zealousness. He asks, what's religious about wokeism? 
a strong emphasis on guilt and redemption. Secondly, very strong dogmatism. Um, so uh, basically, all these phenomena that we uh, can nowadays uh, call or associate with so-called cancel culture. Thirdly, there is a divisive moralism to it. There is not much room for neutral ground. There is no fence sitting, right? This is the crux of my critique. Muller sets up a kind of Derridean binary, with the irrational, dogmatic, ritualistic and religious on one side, and the rational, thoughtful, tolerant and enlightenment-minded on the other. That's why he says that we need a second enlightenment. He's setting wokeism as an irrational negative against enlightenment reason, as a positive to transcend it. And my critique of this is that while, yes, okay, it clearly has some of these elements in some people, many people, some of the time, this is clearly, demonstrably, not all that's going on at the moment. Furthermore, politics have always been rife with dogma, irrationalism, ritual, activism. Politics and faith have always been intertwined. Look at the history of the battles for free speech across the world to see how divisive and censorious politics has always been. This is not the same as civil religion. As thinkers like Hume, Kierkegaard and the moral intuitionists have shown, political beliefs have always been as much a matter of emotion, faith, ritual and inheritance as much as enlightenment reason and rational thought and empirical evidence. So. Why does Muller do this? Well, the focus on politics as religion means it's easier to argue that wokeism on the left is dogmatic, censorious, a council culture. And while Muller points out that there's a conservative denomination of civil religion too, he's clearly making the case that this is what characterises, defines and makes distinct and unique the woke phenomenon. But how does defining wokeism in this way differentiate it from something like McCarthyism, censorship in Hollywood throughout the early Cold War period, Mao's Cultural Revolution, or the East German Cold War cultural concept of Schirmkopf, which meant scissors in the head, a phenomenon of cultural self-censorship where you'd censor yourself so you don't get in trouble? The list here is endless, and I'd recommend this book. Under Muller's definition, the Tea Party could be characterised as civil religion. In fact, explicitly so. Many in the Tea Party believe the Constitution to be divinely inspired, a claim the Mormons originally made. Fox News is certainly civil religion. White nationalism is civil religion. Broadening the definition out this far evacuates it of its meaning while ignoring how dogmatic adopters of certain ideologies and politicians and activists have always been. That's why I described Muller's take as ahistorical. So many historical, political and cultural movements could be defined in this way as political, activistic, civil religion. The civil rights movement to pick one of many we could pick. Were the famous white supporters bust down from the north for demonstrations suffering from guilt pride? But again, this is not what Bella meant by civil religion. 
he didn't just mean any type of cultural or activistic politics. He didn't mean the tendency to be dogmatic in thought. He didn't mean in-grouping and out-grouping. To take another example, the Trump administration forced White House employees to sign NDAs, stopping them from disclosing anything seen or heard in the White House. And the phrases climate change and greenhouse gas emissions were blacklisted from government press releases and publications. Studies were censored and scientists like Maria Caffrey at government agencies lost their jobs. All certainly dogmatic, censorious, activistic, backed up by Trump's rallies, moralistic, and in this case in particular, anti-science with regards to climate change. Is this not more of a civil religion? My point is that the religion interpretation is associated in the minds of most with dogma, witch hunt, old-fashioned anti-enlightenment tradition. It is loaded, and it plays into the way the term has been co-opted by the right to marginalise and discredit struggles for social change. Muller's analysis is, it could be said, a critique, not an analysis. Maybe that is what he was going for but it's still one-sided. In a 39-minute video, he doesn't once mention the words racism, sexism, or homophobia. If wokeism really is characterised by civil religion plus German-style guilt pride, then is it just those things that motivate Penguin publishers, say, to have policies to highlight more minority writers? Was Harvey Weinstein's trial a product of guilt pride and civil religion? In the UK, the historian David Dolusoga has been presenting programmes on the BBC about the legacy of the UK's colonial past. Is this included in Muller's definition? How about taking the knee? Is it not reasonable, logical, enlightenment-based, not religious to want to emphasise the abuse black players have reported getting on a daily basis? Why emphasise civil religion on the woke left, but not, for example, the right-wing militias in Wisconsin who publicly declared their intention to kill protesters on Facebook before one of them, Kyle Rittenhouse, actually famously did? These right-wing militias certainly seem to emphasise the American flag as white, sacred and quasi-religious, but they're not woke, surely. And what about the Wisconsin residents who protested to Facebook about removing these right-wing militias to no avail? Are they acting out of guilt pride? In 2017, neo-Nazis marched in Charlottesville, Virginia, chanting Jews will not replace us. When one of them went back to California, the restaurant he worked at fired him after seeing him in footage. Can this be explained by civil religion and guilt pride? Or is it a reasonable, enlightenment belief in the dignity of each individual? The right to associate with who you want to associate with? The right to protest? The democratic right to be active in political life? Now, again, any analysis needs to account for the broadening of the public sphere, for globalisation and a demand for justice driven by more people being in the know. Justice, though, is almost entirely left out of Muller's analysis. It's added as an afterword, right at the end, about how wokeness did not invent justice, as if anyone is claiming the present movements have. In Germany, cases of right-wing violence have surged in recent years. 
Hate crimes against LGBTQ people have risen by 36% in just one year. The same rise has been seen in the UK. One study has shown how online hate speech in Germany has directly correlated with real-world attacks. Can we display concern about these things and advocate for policies and change to combat them without being civilly religious and having moralising guilt pride? How about the attack on a gay nightclub in Orlando in 2016, killing 49 people? The Westboro Baptist Church, famous for picketing gay soldiers' funerals with signs like God hates f***s, tried to picket the club, but were met with protesters who blocked their picket line. Is this protesting, civil religion and guilt pride? Picket lines and protests have long been a part of politics. This is not what Bella meant when he talked about civil religion. To do this isn't religious, it's reasonable, rational, logical, all enlightenment values. Arguing that wokeism is a religious phenomenon plays into the idea that Western enlightenment values like free speech are under attack by a new censorious woke left. Again, a right-wing talking point that doesn't appear to be as true as we are sometimes told. Each year, the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education publishes detailed reports on free speech in American universities. They give the worst infringers a red light rating. Despite what you'd think from watching the news, red light ratings have decreased by 50% between 2009 and 2020 and decreased another 3% this year. A 2018 YouGov poll found that students in the UK were no more hostile to free speech than anyone else. Similarly, a BBC survey of 120 universities in the UK found just six cases of cancelling speakers between 2010 and 2018. In America, the number was 11. As free speech scholar Eric Bershowitz writes, not good, but also not enough to man the freedom of speech barricades. A parliamentary inquiry in the UK concluded that press accounts of widespread suppression of free speech are clearly out of kilter with reality. I'm not saying that there aren't many cases of cancellations that are unjustified, that people are censorious and dogmatic and want to silence their opponents, and that we need new ways of thinking about these things because of the internet. I'm just saying that A, it's only part of any analysis, and it is a broader phenomenon anyway, applies to many groups. B, that it can't be what defines the present moment because those things aren't new. And C, it's not what animates so many people. I think genuine concern is. Let's return briefly to Muller's interpretation of civil religion. Bella. Uh, at the beginning of the article, uh, quotes uh, someone else, S.M. Lipset, to make an important point. So I, I quote this quote here. Uh, it says, at least since the early 19th century, civil religion uh, has been predominantly activistic, moralistic, and social, rather than contemplative, theological, or innerly spiritual. So. A civil religion basically represents a shift from strictly theological, let's say, transcendent values to activist, moralistic, and social movement. 
except this is a misquote. What Bella quoting Lipset actually says is that religion, not civil religion, at least since the early 19th century, has been predominantly activist, moralistic and social rather than contemplative, theological or innately spiritual. At this point in the article, Bella is talking specifically about theological religion in America and why religious leaders tend to dislike civil religion. So why does Muller miss this? Well, because the elements of religion that he wants to emphasise aren't the references to God, sacred texts and idolatry that Bella highlights. Remember, Bella is talking specifically about God and theology, but Muller wants to highlight dogmatic activists, moralistic counsellors and social movements, along with confessing guilt and a hope of redemption for secular political goals. There's nothing theological about woke goals, but Muller wants to maintain the argument that wokeism is anti-enlightenment. But again, what about the concern about racial disparities, sexual misconduct, or the legacy of colonialism, Another reasonable, rational, secular causes. OK, you might say that Muller's only talking about the excesses, the negatives. After all, he says philosophy's job is not to abolish wokeism, but to critically shed light on it, to question it, so that it does not turn into a fundamentalist frenzy. OK, fine, but as I've been trying to show, the things he describes as civil religion and woke can be found in many places, left and right, historically and now. And I agree, we need to find ways of being more tolerant, living with the internet, thinking critically and not dogmatically, etc. Who wouldn't? I think we inevitably need to start with education, by the way. So is Muller's take an analysis or a critique? A description? He seems to me, and maybe I'm wrong here, to imply that civil religion plus guilt pride is what defines this phenomenon. Should the philosophical analysis not look at all sides? Instead, saying we're in need of a second enlightenment and describing people who are fighting for justice and equality as religious, in my view, does not paint a full picture of what's going on and it gives ammo to those who want to stick to the progressives with. In highlighting guilt pride, curating identity and woke brands, Muller empties the phenomenon of any real moral content and meaning. The goal of my take on the phenomenon is to try to start at least to address that void. Okay, what do you think? What have I missed? What have I left out? Let me know in the comments. Have I been clear enough? As I said, I think this is a difficult topic and we're all trying to kind of feel our way through it. So this is going to be a work in progress, my views on all of this. Uh, but if you want to support that, you can do so on Patreon through the link below. We have a Discord server, naming credits, scripts and everything. I'm trying to continue the conversation over there somehow. If not, subscribe, like, share, all the rest. Thank you so much for watching and I'll see you next time.